It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Coming to you live. This is the Wrestling 411. Keeping the wrestling. Community locked down with the latest news and coverage tighter than any pinning combination. This is the 411 Wrestling 411. This is the 411 Wrestling 411. Light speed coverage like electrical bolts. We up 24 7 like a heartbeat's pulse. And this the 411. If you want the results, if it happens on the map, then we gotta report. And this is wrestling, man, the realest sport that's around. And if you didn't, about it, this is how it's going down. International coverage to them NCAAs, everything on demand, and you can have it your way with the latest recruits, ranking spoken interviews. Who, what, when, and where with the latest on the news? Want a technique tip or something really entertaining? Here's a double life class that'll keep you motivated. Got you training like a madman, getting it done on how to break him and take him until you make it number one. Coming fresh up off the press, you about to get some, and on to the wrestling 411. This is the 411 Wrestling 411. This is the 411 Wrestling 411. Welcome to Wrestling 411 Radio. I'm Kyle Klingman, joined by Jason Bryant, and with us today is Zeke Jones, but his real name is Larry, and I'd like you to clear that up right off the bat. How did you get the name, Zeke? Yeah, thanks a lot, Kyle. That's my alias. I usually use Larry when I'm I'm trying to hide in public. But uh, my my dad's name is Larry. Uh, when I was born, he said uh, my mom said let's name uh, him Larry after you, and my dad said no way, we're going to name him Zeke. My mom said not over my dead body will you name him Zeke. So my mom wrote on the birth certificate Larry, and my dad said doesn't matter, I'm calling him Zeke, and that's how it stuck. Wow. Well, interesting story there, how you got the name Zeke Jones. Everyone knows you by Zeke, so we'll go with that. But uh, you are now the national team's coach for freestyle at USA Wrestling. You were the coach at Penn. Interested in the transition here, why you decided to take this job and what interested you about going into USA Wrestling? Yeah, sure. It uh, Man, I tell you, I love Penn. It was a great place to coach and could have found myself there a long, long time. Uh, you know, the opportunity to lead the United States uh, was um, was a, a powerful pull. Um, you know, it in some ways felt like, uh, you know, it was my chance to, to serve the country, to be able to help our men win World Olympic gold medals. As, as we know, our, our, our medal production has been low, and so I felt it was a place that could make a difference. And uh, so, you know, I'm excited about helping our team and, and uh, we're, we've got big plans. We're going to work real hard, and uh, hopefully we'll get the outcomes that we're looking for. Well, Coach, you say that, and, and I can't not mention this. I'm not going to throw you a softball here. I'm, I'm going to go out and say it. So that's the case. So why the application to the uh, Iowa State and Arizona State positions? Yeah, and I never applied to any jobs, uh, Jason. That's, okay. that, 
I knew that uh, certainly that'd come up, and it gives me a chance actually to let everybody know very clearly that I never applied for any job, I never interviewed for any job. Really, what had happened was uh, both Penn State and Iowa State have were um, called Rich Bender for permission to talk to me. Of course, Rich uh, gave him uh, permission. You know, being you know good athletic, uh, good athletic director type guy as our executive director. Not uh, holding anybody back if, if something feels better out there, of course. Um, so they called me. Uh, we talked, and I should say they, they called. I listened, and that was really the extent of it. They talked, I listened, and then there was no follow-up. Really, after that, um, you know, they went ahead and made their selections and, and went through the process. Part of my hidden agenda, too, and I think we were able to accomplish those goals, was that it gave me a chance to tell the athletic director um, you know, what the vision for our wrestling team is, because inevitably these athletic directors have a, a large influence over our Olympic program. So, uh, you know, my hidden agenda is to ensure that we have college coaches, head coaches in positions that can help us win medals. So uh, that was my chance to tell them about our regional training concept, uh, you know, just the plan, the four-year plan I'm implementing. And it really does seem to be, you know, Penn State, of course, having the opportunity to hire Kale. Uh, you know, I reaffirmed how important it was to have somebody connected to the Olympic movement. Uh, same thing with Kevin and same thing with Sean. So um, that's really it. No, no applications, um, just, you know, conversation with the athletic director and that was it. Yeah, so all these Internet rumors are completely unfounded. Well, I don't know. What the, I, I haven't read them, so I don't know. But I can just tell you I never applied and I never interviewed Okay, that that clears up another question. Another issue, as you'd mentioned this just earlier, is leaving Penn. Uh, you left it in good hands with a guy you've known a long, long time, and I want to mention this on our show, at least before we get a chance to talk about more freestyle. What makes Rob Eider a qualified Division One head coach? I know it, you know it, but some of the fans might not know about Rob and his, his coaching ability and, and his, his talent on the bench. What what does Rob have that's going to make Penn successful after uh, after you brought him in and then you've moved on to to USA Wrestling? Yeah, he I tell you, he brings a wealth of knowledge, information, um, certainly a strong network base of, of wrestling that can elevate their program. He's really uh, he's really the right guy for the job, and I know, of course, this was his first six months. He's kind of getting his feet on the ground and getting his pieces put in place. But you know, I think you know he comes from a strong Olympic background. He comes from a world class athlete background. Um, you know, he's worked and coached world and Olympic type teams. Uh, so I mean, he really understands from you know the very highest level what it you know what it takes to be successful. And uh, he's got pretty good high crotch and a, and a darn good double like because uh, <laughs> I felt it for ten years and we trained together. So uh, he's he's good. He's going to really make a difference in the program. And uh, you know, Penn's a unique situation because their you know their program is primarily funded by its alumni. So as you know, Rob builds his relationships with alumni. Uh, you know, they're just going to get behind him and really provide him all the resources that he needs to be successful in the program. Needs to be successful. Now, obviously, you probably had your eye on the Arizona State, uh, the job opening on who they were going to hire. As an alum, what was your thoughts about going into that program, maybe where it was at, and then the hire of Sean Charles as the head coach? Yeah, Arizona State, yeah, that one's close to my heart, you know, being an alumni, and I love the program, and I just think it, you know, it certainly has a lot of uh, potential to get better uh, in a variety of uh, standpoints. I think that they're 
you know, Sean's going to do a great job. He does, obviously, coming from the alumni pool himself. He has relationships built with a lot of alumni. That, that will really help because they can get behind the program. It's a unique situation right now. You know, Arizona State's budget is in a huge deficit. Uh, you know, obviously, the program needs to be endowed. The economy's down. So there's some things working against them. But, you know, the nice thing is I, I think we all, you know, have that positive view that the economy is going to get better. There's people going to step up and help the program. And uh, I guess maybe two things. One, I've I've made my, my pledge and commitment to uh, – make my donation to the program. Of course, I still am going to help them get to $8 million bucks, but I guess any penny in the pile helps. And uh, the second thing is um, I've got to make my donation today to Wrestling 411, I think, and uh, also to encourage everybody else out there to, to do the same because uh, it's just so important for wrestling right now. Um, so I'll give you my Visa or MasterCard. Uh, well, we can, we can handle that off today. the air. I don't think you want to give the, the nation the... <laughs> USA Wrestling expense number, or is that the personal account of one Larry Zeke Jones? That's right. Well, you know, I want to go back to a point that you were talking about here, and it seems like there's a little bit of a chasm between freestyle wrestling and college wrestling. You wrote an article on why we should wrestle freestyle, and I think uh, they can work hand-in-hand, but when you think of some of the the great college coaches sitting on the sideline right now, Terry Brands is not a head coach, you're not a head coach, even a guy like Pat Smith not a head coach. What do we have to do to make sure that we get these guys that are quality coaches in the right positions? Well... I think a little bit of it occurred, you know, this time around. And um, it's interesting, as you guys know, when these coaching positions open, you know, athletic directors, the good ones, they do their homework. And this round had good athletic directors doing their homework. And I think the message came around every time, whether they talked to Rich Bender or they talked to the national freestyle coach. You know, we always consistently plant that seed in their ears saying, freestyle is very important. And if you listen to both the Iowa State and the Penn State athletic director's comments um, on the hirings, they all plug the national training center concept at their university. And that was, to me, that was the greatest thing to happen because these athletic directors know that freestyle is such an important part of the success of their collegiate program. They go hand-in-hand. Um, so I think we made inroads in that way just based on the hires and based on their message after the hires. Um, so we, we need to continue to share why it's important. And, and we all know that, uh, you know, wrestling in a year-round concept, using freestyle as that tool in the spring-summer, um, is, is that vehicle to success. And guys like Terry and guys like Pat, you know, obviously the problem is there's not so many, there's not just an abundance of jobs where we can just get people positioned right away. But you can bet on every head coaching position that comes uh, open moving forward, of course, and it's been like in the past that there will always be a pair because, um, you know, right now guys like Pat or guys like Terry have that strong inclination towards freestyle. And uh, they'll inevitably end up in positions because they can present to the athletic director that, hey, we can have a successful college program, and the way we do that is be connected to the National Freestyle Program. That's the model for success. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And, and really, that vision, it, it, now everybody knows the model, the, the winning championship model. But the model was, 25 years ago, a guy named Art Martori had a vision. And that vision was to link his, the number one wrestling club in the world, Sunkiss, to a university, create a marriage between Sunkiss and the university. So he did that with Arizona State, and he did that with Oklahoma State. And as a result, it had guys like John Smith, Kenny Monday, Townsend Saunders, you know, coming out of those college programs. But also, too, um, they found that those college teams were winning as well. They were winning national championships. Of course, Oklahoma State was already winning them anyways. But, you know, when when that marriage was strong between a club and a university, we found that it was a win-win situation for the college programs and the Olympic-style development programs. So now everyone understands that model is critical for success. And to have that model, you've got to have a coach that can help coach college guys to national titles. And you got to have a college coach that can help guys win World Olympic medals. So your coaching pool gets small immediately. So those, that's why athletic directors, I believe, are going that direction. Because you guys know, we all know, the very top recruits in the country, they don't just want to be national champions. They want to be world and Olympic champions, too. Kids like the Altons. I mean, they understand that, you know, they have a dream of being NCAA champion, but these kids have been to the training, Olympic Training Center ten times. A lot of kids have already been overseas two or three, four times. They recognize that, and they need to be in with a coach that can help them do that. So that's why that pull is so strong. And I think guys like Terry and Pat are in line immediately because they can present that model. Well, what about the, the difference maybe in – they're, they're seeing Kyle has brought this up with the difference between freestyle and Greco. It seems to be the freestyle side of things seems to be more splintered. There's camps all over the place. People say, that, oh, they're not at the training center. They can't succeed. Well, there's, there's Sunkiss down in Arizona. You've got Gator. You've got the camps out of Iowa and Iowa State, the regional training center now in Ohio State. And then you've got like groups like Overtime and then the NYEC. How can freestyle as a whole benefit from more training centers? Um. Well, that's that's the thing in our four-year model that we're presenting, and and um, you know maybe in a second I can tell you a little bit about we're getting ready to make big major announcements coming up in the next few weeks that will I think the wrestling community will say wow that's that's you know big and really why I say that is we we just we've presented a four-year plan and to kind of go from step number one when I, I took the job in October, November. First thing I did was a complete assessment of the national freestyle program from top to bottom, critical and honest, because we really need to know exactly where we are and we can't lie to ourselves. Um, we need to be honest with ourselves and where we're at. So once we, we did that complete assessment, the great thing was we had 25 of our top coaches come in for the assessment. We had 90% of the national team athletes at the assessment. And we sat down in a room for a week and we put a lot of things out on the table, things that, uh, you know, things that we want to continue to do well, because there are some things we're doing good, things we want to start, things that we feel if we start to make us successful, and things we want to stop, things that are getting in our way. So once we did that assessment, then I took that information and built the four-year plan. And building that four-year plan, um, the one thing that became apparent is exactly what you're saying, that we we found that just trying to have the Olympic training center alone is not going is not our model that's going to be successful. And you can use the Russians as the examples. They have nine national training centers, nine. 
and we have one. And, and, and I say one, we really have three or four, but they're not completed. Like one location has a coach, but not athletes. Another place has an athlete, but not a coach. So what we're trying to do in this four-year plan is to mobilize our resources into what what's most efficient for our country. So that might mean moving an athlete to a certain location or taking a coach and moving them to another spot to maximize our nation's wrestling resources, because we're not doing that right now. We've got guys, you know, positioned out in different spots and they're not in complete centers. And we all know to have a complete national training center, you have to have a, a freestyle coach who's working at an elite level you got to have senior athletes in that location, our, you know, guys in our top six, top eight. You've got to have development athletes, kids that will get pulled up by those senior athletes. But development kids are doing well at the field of juniors, university nationals, those kinds of things. And then the fourth ingredient is you've got to have a commitment to that plan, a commitment, a well-thought-out, year-round, organized plan connected with the club, in concert with the National Freestyle Program. If you've got all four of those things and completed, then you've got a full national training center. And, you know, there, you, know you can kind of look around and say, okay, well, who has all those? And then what I'm doing is I'm looking around and saying, okay, who's got three of the four pieces and they're missing one and what do they need? And then now we're going to take a pool of money and try to make that happen, try to get, move our resources to maximize our you know, our efforts in our freestyle program. So we've got those regional sites like you're talking about. However, I think they're, you know, they might have three of the four items. If they got all four, that's great. You know, a place like Iowa really has all four. They're cruising, freestyle coach, senior athletes, development athletes, a very organized plan. You know, they've got it. You know, and obviously the training center is a critical part. It's really that the, I call it the center of the freestyle universe. I mean, USA Wrestling's here. It's the Olympic Training Center. You know, the Olympic Training Center produced over 15 medals last year. There's no location in the United States that's set up better for excellence than the United States Training Center for Olympic medals. That's what this place is about. So certainly it's got to be a real important part of what we're doing. Uh, but... In the past, we've never had five medals come out of one location. We've had one and two medals come out of a location. So back in 92, my Olympic team, there was me and Townsend at Arizona State. There's John Smith and Kenny Monday at Oklahoma State. And then you can obviously look to places like Foxcatcher where we put out a medal, you know, every year. So what my goal is if we can get one medal out of three, four, five locations because we've completed those centers, then we've got our five medals. Well, talk. You kind of put this foundation in motion when you were coaching at West Virginia. It seemed that in Morgantown there was a regional training site there. Is that was that more of your idea, or was that something that just kind of worked with the program? No, no. I was, you know, you got to have one to win at the collegiate. You know, like I said, as you know, you got to to win a college national title. You've got to have a regional program. So the first thing I did is, and it's like anything, you got coaches got to get out and fundraise, and we got a seven hundred and eighty thousand dollar financial commitment. And I took that financial commitment and started to put that Olympic training plan in place. Unfortunately, I left for um, for Penn when it was really getting underway, but they still have a couple athletes living and training there. Um, but yeah, that's first thing those co- coaches got to do is obviously just go out and, and fundraise real hard. And that's really what we're doing on this, on our national training program. And that's really what we're getting ready to announce some pretty big things coming up in the next few weeks that people are going to say, wow, that's great. 
Well, one thing you bring up the money issue. How can how can Kyle? How can the future Olympic hopefuls try to finance this training? We're losing a lot of wrestlers to MMA. This has been a hot topic on the message boards on why USA Wrestling doesn't pay athletes more compared to the Russians. Blah blah blah. But the same point, I guess it all brings. You've said the word fundraising several times. How important is the wrestling community itself? Uh, to supporting our athletes rather than expecting one company out there in Colorado Springs to fit the bill. Yeah, you know, it's 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 essential that, you know, and we, we all know, and our college coaches all know that it's it's the lifeblood is to get out and to steward donors, to, to bring them on board, to show them that they can make a difference. They can make a difference in America by joining forces with us and being able to help our athletes. And really, the model... Kyle and Jason is what we're trying to do is try to make it so these guys can be full-time professionals. Essentially, they get paid to wrestle with a decent salary. The goal, and here's the model, is we're going to try to get try to get most all our best guys a decent salary so that they can live on it. You know, pay their rent, pay their mortgage, you know, uh, car payment, insurance. You know, get the basics, fundamentals, and have a couple bucks to go to the movie. Uh, but after that, then what we're going to do is incentivize them. We're going to try to raise up that world Olympic bonus. So if, if that's where the character comes, you know, that they can all have a decent living. But no, if they can win a world Olympic medal, it's a big pop. And, you know, one that can make a difference in their lives, a, you know, a financial difference, uh, something that feels real, real good. So that's the model we're going after. But as we know, our guys haven't been able to be full-time professionals because they haven't made enough money. So they got to be an assistant coach to, to survive. And that's not understandable. I had to do it back when I wrestled. But now I think we're getting pretty close to being able to fund X amount of guys uh, to where they can be full-time professionals like the Russians because, you know, those guys are training 360 days a year full-time and their only focus is freestyle wrestling. Our guys, you know, I see them 70 days out of the year. They're not in a full-time freestyle environment because they have to be in a collegiate room. And so their responsibility falls there. Unfortunately, we're not getting enough freestyle minutes out of them. So if we can give, make them professionals 360 days out of the year, then now we're going to start to compete with those guys. One question we got in from our, our Twitter following was directed at you asking what style of wrestling, freestyle or folk style, should be wrestled from the K through eight high school and collegiate level. Do you think it, it should be switched over to freestyle or do you think there's benefit in the, uh, the collegiate or, or American folk style? Well, I mean, my personal opinion, and, and not even sitting in the, this chair that I sit in as the head coach of the national freestyle team, I, even when I was in college, I'd be all for all our, our wrestling style to be freestyle through our school systems. I really, I, I don't know why we don't. I mean, I know there's a strong history and tradition to our collegiate wrestling, and it's fun to watch. I like it. You know, however, uh, freestyle is an exciting style, too. And, and there's always, uh, of course, we can all make arguments. Folk style's more exciting. Freestyle's more exciting. But right now, we have, you know, two. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dynamic styles, and we had Greco in there, too. It's kind of a subset. You know, we have different styles. In some ways, they conflict with each other. In some ways, they work together. Uh, but I'd really like to see our school systems go to the freestyle system, and there'd be a lot of learning. Of course, college coaches would have to get, you know, they'd have to get more involved in the freestyle, get out the film, study the strategies, uh, techniques, strategies, tactics. Uh, to be good at it, there would definitely be a lag, but I think um, it wouldn't take long before we catch up. But uh, K-8, through 9-12, through 12, and collegiately, I'd like to see our country be freestyle, but I think it's going to happen now because, you know, most people resist change. You know, they, change is uncomfortable. Well, now you're sitting in a national team's uh, coaching position, teaching a style of wrestling that, yes, in name is freestyle, but how much different is it from when you were wrestling freestyle, and how much different is it for you to coach the style within the rules now than it is for you to learn and compete back then? Yeah, freestyle's gotten farther away, Kyle, if you ask me, or uh, Jason, if you ask me, that um, with the edge of the mat now, you know, with the uh, point for going out of bounds, um, that's that's directly opposite of our folk style system, where there's there's a direct incentive to move into the mat in freestyle. Uh, there's there's an incentive to get off the mat in folk style, or at least a protection level that if I get off the mat, I don't get scored on. Um, so we're getting farther away right now. Controlling the tie up is critical in freestyle because the mat is small in freestyle. And I say, you know, if you get anywhere near the edge, and obviously a person steps out of bounds, it's a point. So you can't be anywhere near the edge. You got to be in the middle of the mat all the time. So the mat just got smaller. So the mat is very, very small in freestyle, but the mat is very big in folk style. Two, two, uh, you know, two toes in bounds, or even just um, collegiate where it's one foot in bounds. That circle is so big in folk style, and it's so small in freestyle that we don't have that concept. And, and that's the first thing I you know, do. We got Darion Caldwell in here training, and he's I'm get, he's getting used to that mat getting real small because obviously he was used to really playing the edge of the mat game where he could keep a toe in bounds and, and take a guy down. Now he's got to understand that mat got small. And when the mat gets small, if you can control the tie-up, you can control the position of the mat, and you can control where your opponent goes on the mat. So controlling the tie-up is so important in freestyle, but college, it's not as important. You can hand fight, touch and go, touch and go, back up, back up, back up, shoot. You can't do that in freestyle. We're very, not very successfully. So we're, we're, de- we're definitely not... Um, it, the transition, I, it's it's getting it's getting farther away. The rules are making it so freestyle is getting farther away from folk style. But you know, I've got a concentrated plan. As soon as we get them, there's four or five things I'm working on with them right away to get them transitioned over to freestyle. Seek, I want to paint a mental picture for you here. Let's say it's uh, NFL playoff time and semifinals to go into the Super Bowl, and the winners declared it's a close game. Someone wins by a field goal. But let's say they go back and they look at the video and say, you know what, that guy's foot wasn't in bounds. Day later they say, you know what, we're going to reverse the decision and we're going to announce the other team the winner. Now, this has happened to you in 1995 that happened. You won a match. They went back behind closed doors and said, nope, Zeke lost the match. Shouldn't priority number one be to clean up Fila? 
Well, I tell you, uh, thank God they don't have protest anymore because, uh, and they got rid of it because I think we had something like 11 protests overturned where Americans lost, and then the next country down was like three protests overturned and lost. So there was a wide discrepancy. But I think uh, when you obviously you look at a thing like protests where you can't even tell. I remember in '95 when they went in the back room and came back out and said I lost. I couldn't. Even I, I couldn't even tell you who said I lost. I couldn't even, I don't even know who the referees were that made the decision that said I lost. So obviously that's not good. I think they, you know, feeling intent for protest was good, but when human nature gets injected in it, it didn't work. So obviously they got rid of it. So to me, that was a good decision on their part. But I think obviously fair play is critical. Uh, it's critical to our sport, it's, it's to the survival of wrestling in the world. And I think right now we are making strides that way. I think Fila is starting to make strides that way uh, to not just even the, the reality, because in their mind the reality is, you know, they're, they're doing everything to keep it fair, but the perception of the world is that there's some unfairness to it. So uh, I think that, you know, they're making, they're moving in the right direction and uh, trying to work on that perception. Uh, right now, with Matt's side review, it's great uh, because it's really helping us. What's happening is that there's a, a controversial call, just like instant replay. You have in the NFL, you have an instant replay. Well, the good thing now with instant replay and wrestling is you've got to put up on a big board for everybody to see in the arena. So now, whenever there's um, instant replay, the whole crowd gets to see it. That is the best thing that ever happened for us as Americans, because when we do go overseas now and there's an instant replay and the whole crowd sees it, it's very difficult to make the call wrong. They have to make it right because everybody's watching it over and over and over and over again in instant replay. So it's really actually like that. So they, they, are, they are making some, some strides in that way. And, I, you know, of course, it's got to continue to get better, but I think uh, you know, they're definitely on the upward curve. All right, Zeke, we want to say thank you for coming on the program. This has been uh, fun talking to you and learning about what you have going on at USA Wrestling and the national freestyle teams. And uh, you're going to be at the uh, World Team Trials coming up here in a, a couple weeks in Council Bluffs, and we look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, I appreciate it, Kyle and, and Jason. And, yeah, we look forward to uh, seeing you guys there. And you know, everybody can come out and watch the World Team Trials. These are the best wrestlers in the United States, obviously some of the very best in the world. And we're excited about the direction we're going in our announcements and our national team leaders. You know, Mike Novogratz and Dave Barry are doing a super job of getting us in a position to, to be able to elevate our country back to where it used to be. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to working with you guys. And uh, keep me on the line so I can give you my credit card. All right, we appreciate that. Zeke Jones. And if you hold tight, we're going to have up next, we're going to have Craig Sesker, Director of Communications, next on Wrestling 411 Radio. We are back, Wrestling 411 Radio. I'm Kyle Klingman, joined by Jason Bryant. And Jason, we had a great interview there with Zeke Jones. That was fun to learn more about what's going on in the international scene. And You mean Larry? Well, we can go with Larry if you want. But uh, Larry Jones? I like Larry we Jones. We didn't ask you if it was Lawrence. Is it just Larry? I think it was just Larry. Well, what about what about what about Craig Sesker? Craig Sesker is the on unknown the line. Russian guard. What, what people don't know about Craig Sesker is he he can he can double as a uh, as a Russian warlord, so to speak. <laughs> that's, any, any, that's all you. Any, any thoughts on that, Craig? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I've I've put on the Russian hat, but uh, I could have a hard time pulling that one off. Well, I don't know if you're, if you're watching the video because right about now you'll be seeing a picture from Craig from Baku showing up on your screen. We can't do that live on radio, but 
I'm sure uh, we had <laughs> a good time over in Baku, <laughs> Azerbaijan. But Craig Seskier, the one of the communications gurus at USA Wrestling, going to talk to us a little bit about a lot of things. One thing, uh, as it relates to college wrestling, what people might not know about Craig is uh, you're a Wartburg guy. I am. Proud Wartburg College Knight, and uh, great to see what Jim Miller's done up there. He's just done a tremendous job with that program. Well, hey, let's go back to I – mean, we're just going down memory lane here. In a few weeks, we're going to be going back to an area you were near and dear to, Council Bluffs. You worked in Omaha for quite a while, and that's just right across the river there. World Team Trials coming up. Uh, for just the common fan who doesn't follow international wrestling as much as they should, what should we know about the World Team Trials, and why is this an important event to attend? Um, it's you know it's the first year after the Olympics, so we've had a lot of turnover. Uh, you know, obviously, a lot of a lot of the Olympians have stepped aside and, and either retired or they're taking a break. And uh, we've got some just some great young talent, and you know, some great opportunities to to make a world team. And this is the beginning of the new Olympic cycle, and uh, it, you know, it's time for some new guys and some new faces to step up and get that experience. You know, guys like Jake Herbert, Jake Varner, Brett Metcalf, some of these young studs, and it's it's a great chance to make a world team, go to the world championships in Denmark, uh, you know, go after some, you know, I think some of these guys can make a run at medals this year. Trent and Travis Paulson seem to be the story right now. They are from Council Bluffs and they are the top seeds going back to their hometown. Really interesting angle here. Do you think that uh, this is going to be, bring a good draw to the community? you think uh, we're going to get some backing from this and, and really get some enthusiasm with these two athletes? We, I told Travis Paulson, after he won nationals in Vegas, I said this, I said, the best thing about you winning is for our marketing efforts. And he's, uh, they're great kids. They, they've got a ton of support. Their, their mom bought a hundred VIP tickets as soon as they went on sale and, and she sold them all and they're making t-shirts and, um, they've got a lot of support at council Bluffs. Of course, they were great stars at Lewis central and, and Iowa state and, they're going to have a great following and, and they're, you know, talking to both of them. They're both extremely excited about competing and they've got a great venue there. It just opened like five or six years ago, the mid America center. It's kind of a, a mid-sized arena, but it's pretty much brand new and it's, it's a great venue. It's going to be a great setting for the event. And for the freestyle portion, at least when we're focusing on that with the Paulsons, it's my understanding now they've gone back to the, if you won the Nationals U.S. Open, you're on top of the ladder. So is every winner of the U.S. Open there on the top of the ladder, and then you have to have the mini tournament for them to come through and wrestle the top guy? Right. What, what happens, all the champions in freestyle and women's freestyle have earned a berth into the best of three finals. So they will sit, and then they'll wait for the winner from the challenge tournament earlier in the day. And then Greco-Roman is a little bit different. Um, you have to be a top five finisher in the past uh, four years at either an Olympics or World Championships. So Harry Lester, TC Dancer, Jermiel Byers uh, have advanced to the finals. The, everybody else goes through the challenge tournament. Why the difference with Greco? Obviously, there's differences in Greco and freestyle anyway. But is it because there's just not enough wrestlers to to fill it out, or what? It's just each na- each of our three national coaches they determine the format. And then, the, you know, along with, you know, Mitch Hull, our national team's director, and Rich Bender, our executive director. And then each style just kind of determines that. Because in the past, we had done something similar with freestyle as well, where some guys sat out and some guys didn't just based on, 
you know, their finishes at, at the Worlds or the Olympics. Well, we saw that kind of bite a couple guys in the butt at the in Sioux City in 2006 where, you know, Andy Rovat pins Mola Wall and you had a couple other upsets throughout there. Joe Williams gets beat by actually one of the Paulsons. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, those type of things. That, do you think it, at least with the freestyle, it encourages more wrestlers of the higher level to actually compete at nationals rather than just wait through for the trials? It does, and it's... You know, it's a scary proposition when you don't wrestle in the national tournament. Just ask Harry Lester. You know, he didn't came in as the three seed last year and gets upset by Jake Deitchler. And you know, and we thought Harry was going to win the Olympics. And by not wrestling at nationals, you know, he he hurt his chances. And I mean, some of it was understandable. He was he was fighting a, a you know horrible battle with trying to get to 66 kilos. But um, you know, and the, he did it the two previous years, and he wins a bronze medal at the Worlds. But then you know, he didn't do it last year and it cost him. Let's go to TC Dantzler. This is an unbelievable story here. It just seems like this guy keeps getting better with age. He's pushing 40 right now. He talks about wanting to wrestle in the 2016 Olympics. Do you think he can go that long? Um, uh, TC is a unique character. I think, you know, I don't know what he's doing. Um, you know, he's looked really good this year. He's moved up a weight. He was another guy that was kind of caught in between weight classes. And, uh, you know, he's one of the, the funnest guys we have out here. He's, he's a jokester, he's a character and it's, it's fun having him around. And, um, you know, I wouldn't put it past the guy's in great shape. I mean, he looks great. He doesn't look like he's whatever he is, 38 years old. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him to do it. Well, we talk about the differences between freestyle and Greco and we even brought it up with Zeke. Tell us what your thoughts are being out there with the training center and seeing the Greco-Roman athletes and the freestyle athletes interact. What do you see the biggest difference between these guys? Um, well, right now we don't have a lot of residents in freestyle. We've had a little bit of a turnover. Uh, you know, Terry Brands left, and uh, some of his guys went with him to Iowa City. You know, Steve Mako and and Bryce Hassam, and some of his guys are in Iowa. Jared Frayer's in Iowa City, and you know. The Greco, uh, a lot of our guys are like the U.S. Army guys, you know, Jermiel Byers and some of those guys. You know, we got Brad Ahern and Jermaine Hodge. And um, they're, uh, I don't know, I mean, and we've got some of our Greco studs at Northern Michigan, obviously, but they, uh, it's, it's, they just, they'll train with each other. I think that's one of the things that Zeke Jones is trying to change the culture of freestyles. We're trying to get our elite athletes to train with each other. I think in the past, Guys didn't want to wrestle each other because they thought it might give another guy an edge. But in Greco, all these guys train with each other all the time. They just see the benefits, and it's made those guys better. I mean, they won the world title in 07. You know, they struggled at the Olympics, but um, I think they see the the benefits of, of training each other and making each other better. With Henry Cejudo, we see a situation here where he's on the sidelines right now, and understandably he's hot right now, and he's even said that, that he really has to capitalize on the market when it's there. How do we make sure, though, that we keep those athletes that win world medals, and that's really the goal here for USA Wrestling, get these elite athletes to win world medals, to keep going on and not just go through an Olympic cycle? Well, I think with Henry, it's kind of a unique case. I mean, he's you know he's had a lot of opportunities uh, you know, off the mat as far as speaking engagements, camps, endorsements. He's working on a book right now. Um, Bill Plaschke, that columnist, great columnist for the LA Times, 
um, is doing a book with Henry. I think it's going to be fantastic. I mean, we were really lucky to get Bill. I think he actually, you know, took a little bit less to do the book than what he, because he just did a book on Tommy Lasorda. And he's writing a book on Cejudo, which is going to be, it's going to be really good. And um, Henry, you know, I think he's going to be back. And one of the things, I don't know if Zeke mentioned it when, when he was on, but um, we're working on, you know, trying to, you know, entice these guys a little more financially to stay on the mat. And, you know, we're working towards, you know, getting some more money to these guys. Cause you know, obviously there are more opportunities out there with, you know, mixed martial arts, you know, we're losing, you know, we lost Ben Askren and, you know, hopefully he'll come back at some point, but um, there's a, there's a great opportunities for wrestling. I mean, the best MMA guys are wrestlers. Yeah, and when you talk about that, you mentioned Mo Wall earlier. It's hard to believe that someone as talented as him only made one world team. I mean, there, there's a guy that... Uh, and he got hosed in that one, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so I mean, uh, in, in that regard, you talk about Ben Askren and some of these guys. Even this year at the U.S. Open, it just seemed like a, a real turnover and just some different names that you might not have seen win Who national titles. Who are these guys? You know? <laughs> so uh, you're right. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, think I know, that, I know yeah. it's a, you know, it might be a little scary because you look at the resumes... You know, especially some of these freestyle guys. But um, you know, Jake Herbert, he won the Dave Schultz tournament last year. He beat the German in the finals, and that guy was fifth in the Olympics. You know, and Metcalf has been right there knocking on the door. You know, Jake Varner is going to be very good. I think he's a better freestyle wrestler than he is a folk style wrestler. And uh, we've gotten Dustin Schlater on the mat. He was third at the Schultz, third at the. Uh, nationals and he lost a very close match to Keith Gavin, who was a world university bronze medalist last year. So we've got in the Paulson twins, you know, they they just turned 26. So we've got some guys that have some great potential. You know, Nick Simmons is, he's, he's really hard to wrestle and he's very unorthodox, very funky, very dangerous. And, you know, he's, he's won some medals overseas now. So I think, you know, I'm putting kind of putting a positive spin on it. But let's let's see what these young guys can do. I'm, I mean, I can't wait to see what these guys do in Denmark. I, I think we got some guys. They're fearless. I mean, they'll they'll take on anybody. And I think you're right. History shows that a lot of times when these guys come out of college, Tom and Terry Brands won world titles right out of the shoot. And this idea that you have to develop, I think a lot of these guys can be ready. And hopefully, this is a team that can do that. Yeah, and I, you know, and hit look at heavyweight. I mean. Uh, Travel Delognev, he's like come out of nowhere. He he was a world university champ last year. I mean, Steve Mako has had a tremendous season. He's won like five or six tournaments. But then in the New York AC finals, he loses to Travel, and Travel has gotten big. He was out here for a camp last week, and he, that that guy is huge. I think he's cutting weight now to get the heavyweight. And uh, last year he was about two thirty, and he just you know guys were pushing him out of bounds. And he's gotten strong, and he's extremely athletic. I mean, he shoots, weighs 270, and he shoots a low single. And, you know, heavyweights, they don't like getting down that low to block that thing. And he's, he's really, really tough. Mako's going to have his hands full with him. All right. We're going to end with this. Who are you looking forward to watching most at the World Team Trials here in a couple of weeks? Give us kind of your uh, couple guys that we should watch out for. No homer picks either, Eric Sesker. <laughs> He's going to pick anybody that's ever worn Nebraska red or or from Dallas, um, Iowa. I just touched on the heavyweights. I think, I think you know, Delognev, Mako, even my old buddy Les Sigmund, you know, he could be in the mix. What about the Turkish Les Sigmund? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's a heavyweight from Turkey who's a dead ringer for Les Sigmund. Jason pointed that out when we were in Baku. But at around Paulson, three o'clock in the morning in the in the <laughs> in the workroom hotel, right? With the uh, with the six dollar can of Pringles and the three dollar bottle of water, which was the same <laughs> price as a bottle of beer over there, with uh, Banderas as the uh, as the what's the what's what's the word? I don't want to say bartender because he was serving Pringles. But anyway, yeah, yeah, back to the original exactly. question. <laughs> but. But back to your question, Kyle, I mean, the Paulson twins, I mean, it's going to be a great story. 66 kilos is, you know, it's traditionally our strongest weight in freestyle. And, you know, you've got Trent Paulson. I mean, he basically beat Metcalf on a coin flip in the third period. Um, Chris Bono still wrestling, you know, he's uh, getting up there. I think this is going to be his last year. You know, Doug Schwab didn't wrestle very well at nationals but he hasn't been on the mat that much i could see him making a run you know jared frayer's wrestling brian stiff is a another new face that's looked very good so virginia uh, boy i had to throw that one out there if you weren't going to say it i was going to say it my wrestling club peninsula wrestling association newport news virginia yeah in <laughs> virginia that's where we got it but stiff is he's big i mean he's a very he's tall and lanky he's, he's hard to wrestle and uh it's it's going to be good you know it's it's, it's just going to be a fun event well, we appreciate you coming on the program here, talking about the World Team Trials coming up in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and we encourage everyone to visit themad.com and check out the information there on how to get tickets and learn more about attending this great event. And I wanted to echo what Zeke said. You guys do a great job. Uh, I enjoy listening to your show, and and you guys have done a tremendous job this year. And you know, anybody that's listening, you know, anything you can do to help out, help the cause. Uh, and I'm glad Zeke didn't give out his credit card number to anybody, but I'm glad he's I'm glad he's pitching in. Oh, appreciate that we a appreciate lot, Craig. That, yeah. that, that means a lot, Dan. We appreciate you coming on. You've been uh, you've been great in wrestling. Appreciate uh, seeing you at all the tournaments, Craig. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Good. We'll we'll see you guys in Council Bluffs. Craig Sesker, that's Jason Bryant. I'm Kyle Klingman. You've been listening to Wrestling Four One One Radio.